Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and today we are joined again by Aaron Antone, the one who does all things worship and technical here at Granite Springs. Not an official title, but captures the gist. In my last introduction, I mentioned Aaron's songwriting, and I'm particularly excited about the chance to have this conversation around Psalm 8, because Aaron has actually adapted this psalm for one of his songs titled Even Us. Even Us has been a part of the regular worship diet for some time now here, and I thought it would be a gift to hear Aaron's reflections on a psalm that he has obviously spent a lot of time with. So, to kick us off, here's Aaron reading Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Aaron, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, Matt, thank you for having me. It's an honor. You know, I was reading the introduction before I even got to you, and I think it's because maybe you're the guest this week that I realized how many plosives were in my first line. (laughs) I don't know if you noticed this. A podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. It's like I'm just hitting those P's so hard in that first sentence. Yeah, you need lots of foam on your microphone. Well, as I said in the introduction, I thought... There's probably many people who it would be good to talk to about Psalm 8, but there's only one person who is perfect to talk to. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> I was going to say, you should get some of these people who would be good because I'm not sure, but but I, I do love no, this. I just like ratcheting up the pressure. Yeah, bring it on. We'll see. I, it's downhill from here. <clears throat> no, that's the beauty of these conversations, really, is the hope that our listeners at home, washing the dishes, doing whatever you're doing washing the car, doing laundry. Basically, I assume you're listening to this while you're doing some form of cleaning. Yeah. But our listeners at home can realize uh, these conversations are not high-pressure conversations, but they're just opportunities (laughs) to reflect and read the song closely. So let's dive in, shall we, with our first question. Our questions are always the same. You've done this once before, so you know how it goes. Yeah. Aaron, what stood out to you in reading this psalm? Well, you know, a a lot of psalms, we I think... Uh, a lot of Psalms scholars will talk about how several Psalms will kind of start in one with one sort of frame in mind. And then there's this kind of shift that happens partway through the Psalm. And this one is one of my favorite examples of that shift happening because it's one, because it's so clear kind of where and when it happens, but also just because it, instead of, instead of shifting, a lot of Psalms will shift toward like, I'm really angry and, but you provide for me or I'm really desperate, but you provide for me kind of Psalms. This is like this, this, this turn from considering the majesty of creation and then a turn toward yet you care even for us, even for like lowly us. So like this grand 
condescension that's happening between the first part of the psalm almost exactly and the second half of the psalm. That's what stands out to me. And I think that was the, when you mentioned the, my Psalm 8 song, Even Us, that's, that's kind of the crux of that song as well. So it's like you're, that's the yeah. whole, the, re, the whole reason for the title is Even Us. Like there's a vast creation. There are things that we, our brains can't even fathom in terms of creation. So the bigger you realize creation is the smaller you realize that we are, but yet he loves us and he made this ultimate sacrifice for us later. Aaron, I'm so glad that you brought up this kind of transition because my notes also were about that same pivot, but I I received it and heard it differently. I don't think contradictor contradictorily contra- contra- I don't think in contradiction <laughs> to what you're saying. Okay. But just a different layer, which I just find fascinating. I totally see in the psalm exactly what you're saying. The majesty and glory of God. And then this shift to God's care for his people that he's mindful of. Yeah. The the shift that I think is also there is, as I kind of read through the psalm, is kind of the glory and majesty of God that's happening. That then it's set up, like that verse four question, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? It's a fascinating question because it feels like the answer to that question in the beginning of the psalm should be nothing. Like they are nothing to you. Yeah. You are so big and grand. But then, so you have God's majesty, but then you almost have humanity's majesty in that second part of the psalm. So you oh. made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. So the psalmist almost does this like double, double marvel. Yeah. <laughs> God is amazing. And then because God's amazing, human beings are also amazing. All these people are below them. And I think... I mean, I would argue both of the themes and both of the pivots that you and I are both talking about are in this psalm. But I, I just love that we both looked, read the same thing and are finding kind of additional layers that are in there. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I love that you that you made this observation. I think it, maybe it's the Calvinist in me, but I was dwelling for a long time in that verse four, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them. And then I just kind of stayed there. <laughs> with my understanding of the psalm. Yeah, I didn't make the effort to look through that. When, you, when You're right, because when you push through, you do see this. We're a li- we as humans are a little lower than the angels. We're crowned with glory and honor and rulers over the works. So again, you could say, well, those works are either really, they're they're also puny, you know, compared to, to, mm-hmm. to God's, yeah, to his sort of universality. Or you could say that we are, you know, we've been given significant authority to rule, to kind of rule on on land and in the seas and, both, and in the sky. I think both are both are true, right? I mean, because it's fitting, I think, to your point, and what's really important is it ends with verse 9, right? Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So it doesn't end with humanity, oh, humanity, how amazing you are for all your works, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So that's where I think what you're saying is a really, like that's maybe the core emphasis in some senses of the psalm, is that even the glory we've been given is is something given. You know, we've been crowned by God. We're not the self-made people that maybe we think we right, are. Right, right. Yeah, the first verse and the last verse are, verse are actually exactly the same, right? Word for word. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So that kind of keeps the perspective really the same throughout the psalm that way. Yeah. It's like the psalmist knew something about framing. 
you know, yeah. literally yeah. here in this case, yeah, yeah. framing this psalm. Yeah. Shall we talk about our second question? I mean, I think we've got some good fodder here with these early observations, mm-hmm. but what do we learn about God from this psalm? My, I'm going to go back to this a little bit again, but I think one thing yeah. we learn is this like vast, this vast chasm between mm. the splendor and the glory of God and the uh, little lower than the angels of humans. So we're not mm. tiny specks of dust that he doesn't care about. We he still created us in his image, and we, he's created us to be good. But despite that, God's glory is so so much greater than than ours. That perspective, I think, is kind of key to understanding the psalm. What do you think? As you're saying this, I'm maybe marveling at it is kind of a quintessential both and psalm right because even as you were talking you're talking about the glory of god then you're talking about and we are so far below him but also <laughs> we are not just specks of dust but and like it's this constant <laughs> like the psalm is so concise it's such a short song right but to talk about it kind of requires you to say both things all the time about both God and us, yeah, which is really kind of an amazing thing. But I agree, we definitely see, we definitely see the sort of yeah. The, there's reverence in this yeah. psalm. For- there's a little bit more of a nuanced kind of narrative that's happening than than you would see maybe reading it through once or twice. And I've read this psalm many, 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 many times, especially like when you write a <laughs> s- song about it, you just kind of live with it for a while. But this is really helpful yeah. to talk through maybe other things that are happening kind of more subtly through just through you're right that's really concise through just nine verses there's quite a little story yeah. that's actually being told you used the word earlier too condescension that verse two through the praise of children and infants you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger yeah it almost feels like the momentum of the psalm i don't know in my reading anyway moves me pretty quickly past that verse like i'm kind of ready to get <laughs> yeah. to verse four yeah. almost yeah if that makes sense yeah. but then you i went back and i was reading that and i was just like that is kind of a wild thing so this god who has set his glory in the heavens then what is his response to enemies the foe and the avenger the people coming at him it's the praise of the weakest among us children mm. And infants. Yeah. And going back to maybe that both andness of the psalm, what a stark contrast, right? One commentator just put this beautifully. The free confession of love and trust is a devastating answer to the accuser and his arsenal of doubts and slanders. I thought that's... Say that again. Yeah, that's pretty good. Say that again. The free confession of love and trust is a devastating answer to the accuser and his arsenal of doubts and slanders. Mm. So the psalmist doesn't portray God as sort of rallying his forces, although there are psalms that are going to use that kind of battle imagery, right? But he doesn't portray God in that way here. It's just uh, a God who uses this free confession of love and trust to override kind of the worst that enemy forces can bring against him. I like I love that. This is a, this is classic David too. He's gotta he's gotta put something about enemies in there, in, in every psalm. It's like some <laughs> yes. kind of quota for him. <laughs> He gets paid by using, the, <laughs> like, for uses of the word enemy. But I think it really speaks to his his circumstances because mm. there are people at his, enemies at his gate, sort of constantly, and they I think they changed over the course of of his long 
long story, but there that was sort of a presence that he could count on having to deal with. So it does make sense that he would have that be a, a small, yeah, a small piece of the psalm. It's sort of, it's ever present for him in some ways, right, isn't it? Right, and I think we have to, yeah. we've talked psalms and enemies before quite a bit, but something mm-hmm. we have to sort of that I grasp that idea ourselves, I think, as well. Let's ask our final question. Like with these other questions, there's probably a million ways to answer it, so I'm fascinated to hear what you'll say, but how does this psalm help us to pray? I, th- I think it helps us to pray with perspective, and I think maybe uh-huh. an hour ago I would have said it helps us it helps helps us to pray realizing how insignificant we are now hmm. with your sort of reframing that like the verse verse 5 and 6 5 through 8 I guess maybe maybe a new way to think of that is to pray with perspective for sure but to to pray knowing that we're created in his image and that we were born to pray to him and to praise him and to bring glory to him. So that's maybe a that chasm is there that I was kind of talking about or that condescension is there and it still is yeah. it still is vast but we are not insignificant to him and that he and he longs to hear us pray. There's a humility I think to what you're saying. It's sort of like don't get too high but don't get too low. <laughs> But I think we probably all tend to err at different times on different sides of that. Yeah. And even in prayer, sometimes prayer can just be kind of masochistic, just beating up on yourself, where sometimes I think God probably just shakes his head at our prayers. And it's like, don't you get it? You're a little lower than the angels. And then sometimes our prayers are probably like a little too confident. Like, hey, Lord, what's (laughs) up? I got some people (laughs) making my life hard. Take care of them, please. And God's just like, why don't you check that? check that log in your eye, you know? So I like what you're saying, praying with perspective. That's super helpful. This Psalm reminds me that awe is also a language of prayer. This goes back to what you were saying, especially about that first half that opens our eyes. But I was even just thinking like the awe is not just at the vastness and at the biggest things, but I just love that this Psalm talks about flocks and herds Hmm. and the animals Hmm. of the wild. Flocks and herds, let's just go out into the back paddock, you know, yeah. and look out there. And there's part of what you're called to steward and literally rule over. Right. And there's something kind of amazing about that. The language of awe in prayer is not just going to Yosemite and looking at Half Dome. Yes. And kind of marveling right. at the vastness of it. Sometimes it's in the very mundane where it's like, wow, Lord, you've given me, you've given me this, the kind of day in and day out stuff. Yeah of life to care for and steward. And that in itself can kind of be an awesome thing. Yeah, I love that, Matt, because you could scale that even down to things, you know, we, we know with a microscope, their whole worlds, you know, so it's not, it's not about sort of the vast, <laughs> the vastness. And you're right, the Yosemite comparison's good. But you can look at a drop of, of water out of the Merced River that runs through Yosemite Valley. And there's a whole, mm-hmm. uh, there's a whole creation there that's all working together as well. So yeah, that's cool. You say that, I'm like, well, that's convicting, I think, to think about. Because you just realize, too, the responsibility that we pray with, I think. Right? The responsibility we have towards our world. And then how can that not impact the way we pray, we bring to God? Like a longing for for both us to steward well, but also for creation. I don't know how often I actually pray for creation. Huh. You know? Yeah. 
Uh, you just you just assume it'll keep humming along. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'll recycle, <laughs> sure, and then hopefully everything will be good. Yeah. But I guess if this is something that we are called to rule over, there's there's maybe a good reason to also to pray for it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, Aaron, you talked a little bit about writing even us. Yeah. I'd be curious, and we've talked about your songwriting a little bit in the past, but when you're diving into a psalm, where does the inspiration come from to A, choose a psalm, and then where do you usually get started? Is it a particular phrase in a psalm? Is it an image? I mean, every song I imagine is a little bit different, but maybe this yeah, is a every, good final he, question out of curiosity. Yeah, every psalm is a, every song is a little bit different. S- sometimes I'll I'll read a psalm. I, I'll often spend a lot of time with it. That means reading it, you know, reading it, reading it, taking a break from it, and coming back to it. I think that's all sort of important part of the process. It mm-hmm. allows you to see things you may miss the first time or two through. For, for me, the Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth was so obviously like a chorus of so something that needs to be revisited throughout the song. And I'm not obviously not the first, oh, yeah. first one to write uh, a, a version of Psalm 8. There are a zillion of them. But the way it, the way it, the psalm is bookended by that verse meant that that has to be what's really happening in this psalm, despite kind of all the other stories we mm. were talking about. So that one made sense to me. Sometimes some psalms it will be there might be a theme that we revisit there might be a verse that stands out there might be something I sort of want to tease out that might be easy to run past if you're just reading the psalm and mm-hmm. and, and turn that into some into like a different focal point than you may have just reading it so those are all kind of strategies I would say that I use in songwriting well we all get to benefit from the strategies and however they manifest certainly have benefited from your work on Psalm 8, both in worship and also in this conversation. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. You know, the Psalm 8, my Even Us was the first song that I wrote that we sang at Granite Springs. Whoa. Yeah. So it's, it's the, it's the oldest. It's the, it's the OG baby. This one goes back a long time. 2008 wow maybe? you did save you did save that for the end that's a great <laughs> little nugget if i'd known that i would have included in my intro but you have to listen all the way to the end sometimes folks but that'd be a lesson to you and those who you know skip out halfway through <laughs> and to know we're singing it all these years later is you know there's some, sometimes i'll write uh things that don't they just don't stick you know for whatever reason and but this one i'm, I'm really grateful that it's stuck around and found homes in other churches and stuff so Anyway, a, a beautiful psalm. So I was glad to have some part in us being able to sing it more often. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing it with us. There is no other verse to conclude on than the one that frames the whole psalm. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Go out and pray the psalm. Mm-hmm.